0: Mark chapter 9 tonight, Mark chapter 9, we'll depart from our series in the book of Philippians here for just tonight, and then we'll get back to Paul's letter to that dear church in Philippi. Uh, Our theme, I haven't preached on it in a a little while, Um, I guess back in the summer, right around July or so, so it's been a little while since we've uh, really emphasized the theme, Into His Harvest, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37 and 38, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And he said, pray, pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into his harvest. So we're looking at that and just felt very impressed that we're supposed to consider that theme here tonight a little bit, but at a different angle in Mark chapter 9. We're, so we're basically revisiting a passage here in Mark 9. Uh, um, In verse 14, let's start right there. Mark 9, 14. So this is right after uh, the transfiguration of the Lord. (laughs) In verse 14, it says that when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway... All the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they, that they should cast him out. And notice these next few words here, and they could not. Which would indicate this, they tried, right? They tried, but they could not. Verse 19, he answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Notice this. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe. So the man said, if, if thou canst do anything. And Jesus turned that and said, if you believe. So there is no question about the Lord's ability here. The question was rather the man's faith. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe... This is really a good prayer here. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. And enter no more into him. And the Spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that they that many said, He is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? By the way, they had been given power to do so, Mark 6. They had done so previously. Why could we not cast him out? Verse 29 gives Jesus answer that we're going to consider here tonight for a few moments. And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Tonight, I'd like to challenge you with that thought. And the title of the message is Praying Through Obstacles. And I'll give you a little background to that here in just a moment. Praying Through Obstacles. What good are laborers without God's power? What good are laborers without God's Power, powerless Christians pose no threat to Satan's realm. Powerless Christians pose no threat to Satan's realm. May God bless the reading of his word. Our prayer conference began here Tuesday morning. It's coinciding with what's taking place in Sri Lanka. And other parts of uh, the 10:40 window, actually, as men and families, perhaps I, I'm not sure who all would be tuning into those, but they're watching that. Well, Tuesday morning we were able to bring uh, David Hetzer in by video, and and he said a word to those that were gathered. I guess maybe 60 to 70 or so there gathered that morning, about 6:30, and he spoke to us about about the 10:40 window and explained the very important role that prayer plays. In that 1040 window you saw it on the video as to what it is I know many of you are very familiar with the 1040 window it's 10 degrees south originally it was 10 degrees north to 40 degrees north but if you take it south and that will include the very needy country of Indonesia uh, to the south and so that that's what has taken place um, among those that study missions and it stretches across uh, from northern Africa uh, through Central Asia and all the way to the Far East, uh, all the way to Japan. And as you heard in the video, it is the most unevangelized area of the world. Now, there's some wonderful things that are taking place there, mind you, even in China as well as in India and as well as we heard this morning from our, our friend, a, a student here, uh, Brother Wu Chen. Uh, spoke to us this morning, did a wonderful job, and, and in fact, in many ways, uh, South Korea, and we have a couple that's moved here to go to school here, and, and uh, South Korea is, is really on the, uh, the leading front in world missions. And I'm thankful that the gospel has got to go from everywhere to everywhere and that it can. It's, the gospel and world missions is not just, is not, is not, not that it's not just, it's not at all an American thing. It is a biblical Christian mandate. It's a local church mandate to the churches that he gave. And, and so this region of the 1040 window, as we call it, is just an easy way to refer to the most unevangelized area of the world. Oftentimes it's referred to this way as the resistance belt the resistance belt, and because obviously there's a lot of resistance. Now, I, I hasten to say that that doesn't mean that there's not a need in South America and Central America and in the United States of America or any other country, really, for that matter, in any state within our own union. I mean, there's a great need. We're going to have the church planning conference without any reservation. We'll have that because there's a need there. But if we take the gospel seriously, we take the need of the gospel seriously among people, then we would be very poor Christians had we not considered the great need that's in that 10:40 window, and so thus the resistance belt. Uh, belt. Terry Andrews sent out uh, some some uh, uh, stats and thoughts in in the uh, the prayer conference that he's hosting there, and and so he said this: It is our hope that with sustained strategic prayer that this will, that will result in spirit-filled laborers and church plants, that this region would be transformed from the resistant belt to the evangelized belt. There's varying numbers on this. We heard some numbers in the, in the video, and so I'm not sure how the numbers I'm gonna mention to you tonight match up with every, everything that you're gonna see if you research it out, but roughly 69 nations across the 1040 window, two-thirds, listen to this, Two thirds of the world's population lives there. Two thirds. Four billion people living in the 1040 window, of which 95% are unevangelized. 95%. It is the seed or it is the headquarters, the starting place of of major non-Christian religions such as Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, animism, atheism and Sikhism. It is headquartered there. 45 out of the 50 worst countries in the world in terms of persecution are located in the 1040 window largely because of Islam and its influence, but not just in not just Islamic countries, but actually much of what was learned by, by jihadists was learned actually in Sri Lanka by, by the, the Tamil Tigers and others that were, were doing acts of persecution. So uh, we, we need to keep in our minds that there are some very militant Hindu groups and militant Buddhist groups don't think of these religions as peaceful religions because they're not. Islam is not a peaceful religion if it is practiced the way that it is intended to be practiced, if they go by the book, if they are fundamental Hindus. India, India and Nepal, that's been our focus here today and, and as we've been praying for the unreached there in India and, and Nepal in particular because those are Hindu uh, countries. India, if you do any, any research, you'll see this. India is the most unreached nation in the world. Because of its population and because of its persecution and because of many other factors, India is the most considered by most that study missions. They would say they would say India is the most unreached nation in the world. One third of the world's unreached people groups live within India. Of the 2,379 people groups, 2,142 are unreached. 90%, varying numbers on that. Some say as much as 96% of those groups are unreached. Some of those groups are smaller groups and some of those groups are larger groups. The idea among many in India is that that Christianity, and this would be the case in many uh, countries in the East, they would say this, that Christianity is a Western religion when actually Christianity made it to India way before it made it to America. Because uh, Thomas, like the Thomas of the Bible, is widely believed among many to have gone to southern India. And that's why Kerala and Tamil Nadu and other places in southern India have such a strong base of Christianity in comparison to northern India. And so actually the idea that Christianity is a western religion in India is really a false idea. It's actually very much an eastern religion in the sense that they went from Israel or from Jerusalem to to India. Sri Lanka has 55,000 villages of which half of those are unreached and I saw that with my own eyes as we traveled through that that country in 2011 and we went through village after village after village and Brother Terry mentioned to us that this village has no gospel witness and this village has no gospel witness. And listen, it needs to be stated here as well, that it's not like this region, this 1040 window has been without those that have done missionary activity. I mean, in many ways, the father of modern missions, William Carey, who in 1792 went to India against the ideas of those that were Calvinists of his day that said, when God's ready to evangelize India, he'll do it without you and he'll do it without me. But that's not true because God uses people to evangelize other people. And Calvinism itself is false and not biblical. And so I'm glad William Carey overcame that false doctrine and went to India and God greatly used that. But, it, but William Carey himself said that if Hindustan or if India is going to be reached, that it must be reached by the Indian people. He understood the dynamics of it, and he understood what was going on, and so, but I'm just simply saying that there have been men, there have been families, there have been people that have been in this 1040 window, so the the problem is not not completely, although certainly, in terms of the population, in terms of, of what's going on there, there is a great and dire need for laborers to be in that harvest field of the world, that area of the world, that there, there is a dearth. There is, in comparison, in terms of, I mean, you just look at it, the United States of America, not saturated with the gospel by no means. There are still cities and places that do not have the gospel witness. I understand that. But if somebody in America wants to hear about Jesus, they have a greater opportunity in America than they do in the, than India, and other countries like that. And so the, so there is there's been that need, there, there's been that that presence there of workers. But as we heard on, on Tuesday morning, as I listened to Brother David Hetzer, he said it so well that it's not so much that just that there's a lack of workers, but it's also this, there are many, many obstacles to reaching people in this region of the world. We heard about it Sunday night from, from missionary Stephen Benefield, who's, who's in Cambodia, another country within the 1040 window and as he described to us some of those real challenges that face their family life and face living conditions and culture and language and religious opposition and on and on it goes i spent about an hour on uh, Tuesday morning, I believe it was, speaking with Brother Cameron Smutsler, trying to do a a, a review with all of our sent missionaries along the way, and about once a month, and so we had about an hour to talk about all the COVID restrictions in, in Mongolia and in that region of the world, and, and all that's going on with that, and then, of course, with Jason Ritchie, what's taking place, and, and as uh, Brother Cameron has a lot on his shoulders right now, but I've seen, I saw the grace of God in his life. As I talk with him, and I told the staff even this morning, it's like he's a different young man he's just grown through it and and I'm so glad that God helped him to get there when they did I'm telling you it was just right on time our missionaries they face a this kind of scenario Speaking with brother Seth today about an upcoming missions trip and possibly to go back to Brazil and and we're looking uh, looking forward to that. But but do you realize that Brazil, if I looked at it right on the 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 uh, the data that I looked at today is the sixth largest country in the world population wise. If we're serious about the gospel. If we're serious And I believe I'm preaching to people that are serious being here on a Wednesday night. If you're not serious about the gospel, you ought to be. Because these are eternal matters. Then we face a very serious situation on our hands. The disciples here in Mark 9, they faced a serious situation. But here's the point that I want to make tonight. It's very simple and it's not just strictly a missions message, though. If it were, I wouldn't make any apology for it because it's what the church ought to be about. But the laborers were present here. Nine of the apostles were present Peter, James, and John had been up the mountain to see the Lord transfigured. They saw the Lord in his glory, and they're coming back down from the mountain. But nine of them were present, and this man, in a, with a very dire, dire situation with the son, he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus wasn't there, he, he asked his disciples if, if they could help. The laborers were present, but they were without God's power. It's hit me pretty hard to consider in what ways are we trying to do God's work without God's power? Because we really can't, not given this kind. To be honest, not given any kind. We can't do God's work without God's power. Powerless Christians pose no threat to principalities and powers. This uh, text shows us the reality of living in the world with the absence of the the physical absence of Jesus. We understand he's present. He's always present. He's everywhere present. He said, Lo, I'm with you always. But I wonder if perhaps we try to go about even our normal days forgetting just how much we need him. I believe tonight, folks, in many ways that helplessness is one of our greatest allies if we'll understand it right. If we'll understand I am absolutely help, helpless in this situation and I'm preaching to you tonight and, and just to try to challenge our church that, uh, because I, I, don't, I pray God would help us not to be a powerless church. And here's, here's what would lead to a powerless church. A prayerless church is a powerless church. It doesn't matter what kind of facilities we have. It doesn't matter what kind of a sound system we have. It doesn't matter what kind of a, what kind of a platform and what kind of uh, uh, just buildings that we have. It does not matter what kind of accessories we have. If we don't have the power of God on our lives, friend, listen, we're not accomplishing anything. But this doesn't just apply to church planning because some of you may very well be facing some rather than impossible situations in your own life related to a marriage or related to your your sons or your daughters or your grandkids or related to your parents or or related to your health or or related to a situation where you've been thrust into a leadership position and you're looking at your resources and you're looking at who you are and you're looking at what's going on around you and you're looking at your circumstances and maybe you're looking at all that you've got to get done or what needs to be done here. I'm just, I'm just trusting that you would put your mind into that as well to think, God, this is absolutely not going to happen if you don't do something. The disciples needed to know the Lord's glory, and God showed him his glory. And the reason that he showed him his glory is because they were about to see his suffering. I'm just saying to you, listen, folks, I believe tonight it's important for us to have some time on the mountain, have some time alone with God where we can get to know his glory because some tough days come, right? And we need to know his glory for the times when we go through some tough times and some suffering. They came to his disciples and he, he came to his disciples and asked that he might cast out this demonic being that had so terrorized him. And, and the disciples and, and Jesus uh, walked upon the scene, James, Peter, James and John walk upon the scene and the great multitude is around them and, and they're questioning them. I mean, evidently, it's like a stir that's going on. And, and the this topic of the discussion at that day was, why couldn't you cast this demon out? This young man was terrorized by what was going on. The, the demonic being would take him. The, the word means that he would take him with force. He would overpower him and, and tear him. He would throw him into a fit on the ground. I mean, Jesus saw it happen before his very eyes there as he would foam and he was gnashing his teeth. And the word that he pined away means this. He's paralyzed. He's, his body is stiffened. His body is rigid. And, and I'm telling you, folks, listen to me real carefully here tonight because it is sad. It is sad what Satan does to individuals. The satanic oppression is evident in the 1040 window itself. And and, and if we're going to see the gospel make any kind of progress there, listen, folks, it's not going to come by our fancy strategies. It's not going to come by by our modern technology. No, listen, what we really need is just a good old-fashioned revival of the basics of prayer and seeking the face of God and trusting the power of the gospel to go forth and make a difference. Demonic activity, terrorism, human trafficking, lawlessness, all those things taking place. But, but listen, it is not just, it is not just in some Asian country where Satan is terrorizing individuals' lives and in terrorizing countries. I'm telling you, friend, listen, Satan is, is terrorizing families and friends and people through internet means. And through wickedness in, in 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 our lives that is affecting people, and and so listen, it's it's sad what Satan does to our lives. We need to know that Jesus is grieved by the lack of faith, and he refers to them as a faithless generation, unbelieving generation, and 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 he which begins to help us to see what the key is here. The key is is faith in the right source, and. And so here this demonic being throws this young man into a convulsion and, and, and Jesus asks his dad, how long has he been this way? He says, ever since a child, Satan's influence always leads to self-destructive means. He said sometimes he takes him and he causes him to want to leap into the fire. And if I don't watch him, that's what would happen. Or sometimes he tries to cast himself perhaps into a river or a body of water. I'm telling you, it's a terrible situation. Satan doesn't care about kids. You listen to me today. A lot of the population there that we're talking about, not just there, but here as well. I'm telling you, Satan doesn't care about kids. In fact, the disciples' inability cast a bad shadow on Jesus' ability. And the man said, if you can do anything, then please help. And Jesus did. He turned it around because um, God's power has no limit. And he said, if you can believe, in fact, faith sets no limits on God's power and submits itself to God's will. And so Jesus cast the demon out and commanded that that demonic being would leave. In fact, what the Bible says is this is recorded in Matthew. It's also recorded in Luke, of course, here in Mark. But in Luke, it's interesting. It says the people were amazed at the mighty power of God. They were amazed at the mighty power of God. I wonder wonder if today... When people go to church, are they amazed at the mighty power of God or are they amazed at the sound system or the smoke that's going up and they're amazed at the outward things that man has tried to do for, to compensate for a lack of power? Our young people don't need more game systems. They, they need to get in the word and let God have a work in their life. <laughs> They certainly don't need more of the world's music in them. Why? That's what the disciples asked. Why? Why, Jesus? Why could we not cast him out? Why? Why could we not have an effect there? Why were we powerless? And Jesus explained in verse number 29 when he said this, this kind." can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Somebody has said, I believe it was Ian Bounds, prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible and fasting is the other hand with which we let go of the visible. And in nothing in the world are we more tied to the visible than in the realm of food. Folks, listen, there there are times in life when there are things that are going on and when, when really, if we care about the gospel, then we ought to be willing to set aside some things. Even our beloved food. To say, God, the need here is so vast, so great, and the stronghold that Satan has in this area is so great. God, we're asking you to do something here. And maybe there's somebody on your heart. Maybe maybe it is a loved one. Maybe it is a situation that you're dealing with. And it may be that God is calling on you to fast and pray about that. Or you've got a personal situation in your life. It may even be that you're you're trying to get past the, the bondage of sin in your life. And whether it's anger or bitterness or lust or whatever it may be. Hey, listen, there's a place today for fasting and praying. I know it's not popular. I know we don't like it. But there's a place for fasting and a place for prayer. In fact, as one man has said, there's much we can do after we have prayed, but nothing we can do until we have prayed. Why did Jesus explain to them that overcoming obstacles in this region where the satanic realm is, why did he say the only way to overcome these obstacles is by fasting and by praying? I believe it's this, because we need God to work in ways that we are way too limited to do. And prayer, I mean, let's just say prayer alone. Uh, Let's just pause on fasting for just a moment. I mean, listen, how's your prayer life? And are you really praying? I, I wonder if doors are shut on the mission field because we're not praying like we ought to be praying. I wonder if souls are not being saved because we're not praying the way that we ought to be praying. I wonder if we'd see more people saved in church services if we, as the people of God, would really just set ourselves to say, Oh God, please speak to hearts here. You say, I don't know, should we pray for the lost to be saved? Paul did. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. It's scriptural for us to pray that people might hear and understand the gospel and be saved. I wonder today if there's other other things that that could be going on or more progress that could be made. I wonder if church growth, church, not just church growth, but Christian growth within churches could take place. If we pray like Paul prayed when he prayed for the Ephesian believers, oh God, help them grow. I wonder if there wouldn't be so few of laborers if we would just set ourselves to pray. I wonder if we wouldn't be losing so many spiritual battles if we really just set ourselves to pray. The disciples were present, but the power of God was absent. Why? Evidently, they didn't pray and really seek God. What did they do? Well, maybe they gave token attention to prayer. I don't know. The Bible didn't tell us all. But the Bible says they could not, which means that they evidently tried. Maybe what they did, since we have some precedent here, since we have some context here in Mark chapter six, maybe they were relying on their past victory and thought we've done this before. We can do this again. We're pretty much exorcist specialists now. I don't know that they would have communicated that I don't know that they would have said we've got a great strategy for getting this out of him We've had some experience here, but I I I don't know. Are you listening to me? I don't know. I don't know why What they tried. I don't know what didn't work I, I don't know all the things but I do know what Jesus said and Jesus said this is not happening because you're not praying and you're not fasting like you ought to be Would you agree tonight? that the need for the gospel exceeds our limited ability. It does. To reach today's families that are so secular minded or so spiritually confused, I'm telling you folks, that's going to take a breakthrough. That's going to take overcoming an obstacle that we cannot do In our best effort, even if we've got past experience in doing this. We need the Spirit of God, fresh and anew, to be upon us. And that comes by prayer and fasting. Reaching adults. I'm glad we pick up kids by bus ministry, but there's a lot of adults that need to be in church. And the bus ministry does not accomplish its full mission if all we're reaching is kids. Say, preacher, I I like reaching kids. I do too. I do too. But you know what will really change that kid's life? If a mom and dad make it down this aisle and say we've been living selfishly and for everything but God and we need to get some things right. How do we get them here? Well, we certainly got to go to where they are. But when we go, we got to have the power of God on us because the, the disciples were present but there was no power present. And if it happened to the early disciples, surely it could happen to us. reach today's young people so confused to be honest with you so misused so misused I'm, I'm talking about today's young people that they they are in the crossfire of an ideological war that's trying to warp their minds about everything from gender to sexuality to the drug culture, to all kinds of things that is just preying on their minds. How are we going to overcome that? I'm so glad we have youth group. I'm so glad we have youth activities. I'm so glad we have youth conference, youth camp. I'm so glad we have all those things. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who we have in here to preach. If we don't pray the power of God on that moment for God to use that, then it's all in vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. And I'm not trying to be weird here. I'm not trying to to conjure up anything. I'm just trying to read the Bible and see what Jesus said. And Jesus said, if you want to see this happen in this kind, then you need to give yourself to prayer and fasting. And I'm confessing to you tonight, I haven't been doing that like I ought to. And then begin to try to reach kids. And kids are so warped in their minds. And it's not uncommon now that we're having a little boy that says he's a little girl and wants us to call him, call him a her. No, we're not. We're not going to do that. But we're going up, a whole, up against a whole system that wants us to. How do we do this? Please think about your situation. Please think about your family situation. Please think about your the expenses that are coming up. I know you're trying to push that out of your mind here for just a few moments, but think about the expenses that are coming up. What are you going to do? How are you going to pay those bills? It's not just working harder though. You ought to work. By the way, this by the way, is everybody still tuned in here? By the way, this doesn't mean that the church didn't do anything except pray and fast. No, I mean, they still went soul winning. They did preaching. They did teaching. I made a list of it. Listen to it. They did preaching, teaching, singing, evangelism. I got verses with all these. Preaching, teaching, singing, evangelism, fellowship, ordinances, church business, church discipline, forgiveness, restoration, giving sacrificially, giving regularly, using their gifts in the church to edify the body of Christ. I'm telling you, they did all those things. It wasn't that they didn't do anything except pray and fasting, but I'll tell you this. From what I read in Scripture, when the church, when his churches were right with him, the very first thing they did was pray, And the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. They started with prayer. Acts chapter 1, they were praying. Acts chapter 2, they were praying. Acts chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, all throughout the book of Acts, as we see the world mission movement really gaining steam, here's what was going on. They were fasting and they were praying, and the Holy Ghost was answering their prayers. As the superintendent of world evangelism, we're just not praying like we ought to be praying. Prayer is the essential fuel for evangelism, discipleship, church planting, I'd say raising families and having a Christian life. Prayer. The first thing. When the disciples were present but God's power was absent, they invited God's power through prayer. That's it. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. Thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. I love this line. One of my favorite lines in the song. One of my favorite songs, in case you were wondering. I love it. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Powerless Christians pose no threat to the satanic realm. the W.L. and Miss Lucy Smith need us to be praying for them in a real earnest way. They need to get back in the world. Tom and Cindy Brewer need us to pray in a very earnest way. A lot of things going on that are good in northwest Brazil. But they need us to pray. They've got a lot of obstacles. But the Keith, Miss Karen Hainline need us to pray for them as they're right here. Could be in Kenya. But they're here to inspire another generation of missionaries. That will live for Christ rather than for self. Seth and Sarah Bailey, as they lead a youth group, trying to take them to places like Brazil or Arizona, wherever it may be, right here in Oklahoma City. They need us to pray that God would help us to overcome some obstacles. And on and on, we could go through every, every department, every leader, every person that's here, really, and I'm including you. You say, I don't have a ministry there at Southwest Baptist Church. I'll tell you what, where to start. Let me help you. Here's where to start. Pray. That is a ministry that every person ought to be involved in and can be. And, and let me say a word to the young people. Hey, hey, listen, real, real close. Everybody listening? Right up here, right up here. Don't wait till you're an adult to try to have a prayer life. Start right now. Start right now. Set some things aside, whatever it is set some things aside and just just learn right now to get along with God. You've got some big stuff coming up. If you grow up without prayer, you'll grow up powerless and you won't be any threat to the kingdom of Satan. But if you'll learn to get a hold of God in prayer, maybe let Him get a hold of you. God will touch your life in a way that you'll never be able to. But it's easy to grow up prayerless in America, even in independent fundamental Baptist churches. God help us tonight. There's ways we've been prayerless and powerless. While the world rushes to hell. Oh God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, this evening. Individually, to assess where we are with You. To pray, to commit, to surrender. Time to fast and pray. Lord, there's no way we're going to break into the Islamic world all the countries represented there without praying and fasting. Lord, everything from that extreme to the public high schools right here, we're not gonna make a, a difference without, without you. And so God, I, I, I know I'm trying to be careful here tonight to not put the emphasis on us as the ones praying, but the one you are to whom we pray. God help us tonight Deliver us from prayerlessness and help us to be prayerful people as we go about our days, as you've said, to pray without ceasing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here tonight. The Lord, spoke to your heart. We're going to sing, sweetheart, prayer, page 588. If you'd like to turn aside and just spend some time with the Lord, I believe it'd be right and appropriate.